Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 12th. Make no special effort to be stylish. People reveal in modishness their own lack of taste. One wonders if the styles displayed in the fashion sections of newspapers and magazines aren't actually intended to shock. Their message seems to be only, look at me, look even in horror and dismay, but look. It is difficult to imagine a stylish person being humble. Good taste seems to go with understatement. Indeed, understatement is the very essence of good taste. Now, what Swami's talking about here is following fads and trends and, and picking up e- extreme and exotic ways of looking just because it's what everybody else is doing. You know, this thought began to occur to me when I was a young, uh, relatively, well, mid-teens, like about 14 or 15, I began to realize that everybody was dressing alike because that's just what was available in the stores. And even more than that, that there was this this sort of general hypnosis that would gradually come over you. And uh, as uh, when I was uh, about 16 years old, I was selected. There was this uh, very, very nice department store. This is in El Paso, Texas. It was a very high-class department store, and they ran this sort of, it was a sort of a public relations thing in the whole city, and they would select two people from each high school, and we were called young careerists, and they would, they gave us these little uniforms and special little outfits. They were kind of nice little outfits that we wore, and we worked in the store, and you had to go through a competition in order to get selected, and what it became was a part-time job working in their retail store, but it was a, ni- it was a nice energy. I, t- I talked myself into it, talked them, talked them into hiring me, not because I had any attunement with retail sales, but because I have a glib tongue and I wanted the job. So I made a good impression, so they uh, gave me what they considered to be the plum assignment, which is that I got to work in the junior fashion department, which is where all the high school girls came in to buy their clothes, this was a great misjudgment on the part of the management because underneath that glib tongue was an extremely cynical teenager, especially about things like fashion. And so there was this cheesy, trendy stuff that, generally speaking, had no particular grace. It was almost all badly made because it was only expected to last a season. And I saw these, excuse me, airheaded teenage girls coming in trying to look like something out of the magazine. And I was not very successful in that department. In fact, I became a bit of a scandal in the store. So they shifted me over to older women's better dresses, where I actually did well. And then they put me in sheets and towels, where I did superbly, because people actually needed sheets and towels. So this whole issue of fashion, just that was full disclosure, this whole issue of fashion has been an an irritation to me for a tremendous amount of time, because... I don't like somebody else telling me what's supposed to be attractive or who I'm supposed to be. I also figured out that fashion, 
the enforcement for fashion, there's no laws about fashion. The enforcement for fashion is if you are embarrassed. And if you are not embarrassed, then you can be anybody you want. Now later, Swami refined my understanding when I began to live at Ananda, and he pointed out to me, as I believe he's also pointed out in this book, that actually you should dress nicely because other people have to look at you. And when you are an eyesore, it is they who suffer. And also there's a certain dignity that it is appropriate for us to have for our own sake. You know, now there are certain geniuses who are simply above this world, but most of us are not like that. Most of us are either too lazy or too rebellious or, or whatever the reasons might be, that we, that we make ourselves more unattractive than we need to be, and we, we do impose that on others. But what we're talking about is these trends and these fashions, which often are really extreme, just what Swami's saying. And nowadays especially, oh my gosh, I, I was traveling a lot at a certain period of time, and I was in lots of airports, and man, I would just look at the advertisements, and I would, I would just like pretend I'm a Martian. It's sometimes it's really good, as much as possible, to try to put out of your mind the conditioning that's been imposed on it by the modern, by the media. And just imagine if I landed here, and you see these, you know, these, uh, these uh, emaciated women with these dark sort of eyes that just look like they're, you know, like they're starving. They look similar to people who are let out of prison or something like that, really. They, they look unhealthy and unhappy. And then they're, they're, they're trying to get you to buy a product. Like, why would I want to be like her? You just know it's horrifying. But over time, these images are keep being thrown at us. And my example of it, which was my own, because I, I like clothes, and I, I, want, I don't want to say I like fashion, because I don't like fashion, but I like fabric, and I like design. I like costume, is really what I would say. So whatever the costume is, if it's, I like it if it's attractive. And uh, so unlike some renunciates in my position before I became a Nayaswami and wore blue all the time and wore this particular costume, I had a big wardrobe that I really enjoyed. And I, I enjoyed going shopping. I enjoyed seeing beautiful things. But I didn't enjoy that, especially that really harsh, meant to shock, horrible, you know, clothes that people would wear. And, and there was this period of time where women started wearing these big black shoes, just like sort of like big boot-like shoes. And you know, there's a place for them. But uh, it, I didn't think it was the place where people were wearing them. And I knew they were ugly. And I knew they were ugly for about a year and a half. And then I was in <clears throat> one of the department stores with one of my friends helping her buy some clothes. And I walked over and I picked up a pair of ugly black shoes and I actually said these words, these are cute, why don't you try them on? And then I looked at it and I realized this was the same black shoe that a year before I had known was ugly. What had happened in between? What had happened, I'd been simply, and I'll, I'll put it exactly as I felt it, desensitized to its ugliness. Now, maybe people would say I'd, I'd advanced and you know opened myself to new possibilities, but I don't think so. And I think it's very important that we hold ourselves to our own values. You know, and I see fashion that's beautiful. Most of the 
shopping that I would do, I would shop in India because they have they, they still have really beautiful fabrics and beautiful colors and wonderful styles. And here would be the irony of it. I would like these uh, uh, kurta pajama, these long, uh, long tunics and loose trousers because they're really comfortable, they're feminine, they allow a certain flow of fabric. So I would go into these uh, several nice stores that I was accustomed to shopping when I would travel there. And the Indian woman waiting on me, usually a young woman, would be wearing tight jeans and a t-shirt, often with some weird English words on it. I would be dressed in their traditional clothes and I would be shopping for their traditional clothes. And they would just, I mean, I would have a lot of fun with it. They were glad to be liberated from it. I was so relieved to find somewhere on this planet clothes that I really wanted to wear. Well, it was the values that I was talking about. I felt the values. Now, I can, I can make a defense for jeans and t-shirts. I myself have worn them. It's getting into an egalitarian relationship between men and women. They're exceedingly functional. Um, it, it's interesting. The more This is what I understand from fashion history. The more equal the roles of men and women, the more the fashions begin to blend. And if you look at our society now, so many clothes are absolutely gender neutral. And if you just walk around, especially in certain areas and certain crowds, it's just it's it's like you, you can't really tell which one is which is a male fashion and which is a female fashion, except of course for the biological imposition of the shape of the body, you know, depending on how they how they wear it. But so there's there are certain things that are good, functional and so on, but there's a certain ugliness that you can see, and that that and that the consciousness of society, when you look at the fashion. That's what I was saying, walking around through airports throughout the world and seeing these big billboards and these big advertisements because, you know, um, airports are shopping malls now. So just a huge international array of products, of perfumes and of clothes and even just cameras, everything. Look at the people that are, that are being presented as who you want to be. If you buy these shoes, if you use this camera, if you drink this particular kind of drink. This is who you're going to be. Just look at the consciousness that is being presented and just really ask yourself, is that really who I want to be? And Swami uses this word to be for someone to be highly fashionable and to be humble. It's, it's, it doesn't seem quite compatible. I mean, look at, look at the models in the newspapers and, well, we don't have newspapers, but in the magazines and in the billboards, in the, in the YouTube channels, whatever it is. Ask yourself very deeply, do I really want to be like that person? And ask yourself as if you had no context, why would someone wear their hair like that? Why would they make up their eyes like that? Why would they be that emaciated? Why would they stand with so much, you know, I'm the best in the world and I just think you're dirt. I mean, that's what a lot of the faces say. They don't say kindness. They don't say compassion. They don't say, you know, let me take care of you. How can I serve you? It's just, look how important I am. And look how meanly I'm going to express my self-importance. I mean, that's what he's talking about. If fashion were, were going towards something that had values that would increase our happiness, that would be something quite different. You know, the world is is suffering on so many levels. And where it's suffering, it's suffering in the heart. 
you know, people to people, intimate love relationships, parents and children, and just the, the, the pleasure of the home, the warmth of the home, the security that people are looking for in their lives. It's, it's all being fragmented. And yes, I can get quite avid on this point. It, it starts with a lot of the fashion. Or let me say, the fashion really influences it. Where, where men and women both dress in a, an aggressive, um, way sexualized manner. And you see even now, there used to be such a thing as children's clothes. I mean, there's still children's clothes because they're smaller, but there used to be children were dressed differently than adults. And I mean, there can be lots of arguments for everything, but I'm, I'm just going to observe it. Children were dressed differently than adults because children are different than adults. They have a, an innocence, a freedom that we want, to, we want to allow them to experience because it will give them countless wonderful qualities when they become grown-ups if they've actually had a childhood. But now you put your three-year-old in the same super sexy outfit that for your own reasons the mother is wearing. Why the mother is wearing it is a whole different question. But so then the three-year-old, so then the three-year-old, before they've gone through puberty, before they know anything about this, are out there parading around, well, I'll use Satguru's wonderful phrase, leading with their biology before they even have it. And, and then, you know, where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? Well, you go to where we are, which is a lot of unhappiness. If it worked, if the whole thing brought people great joy, if people were having deeply fulfilling relationships and wonderful families and you know great happiness in their lives, I would say, great, I'll stand back and just cheer you on. But I'm not seeing that. You know, I'm seeing children growing up in broken homes. I'm seeing young people having extraordinary problems, blah, blah, blah. You, you all know it. I don't have to say it. Everything either contributes or takes away from. And we're, we're caught in a very weird time in which a tremendous amount is pulling us down. And, and what Swami's trying to say, which is make your own decision with conscious thought. Don't just let yourself be manipulated by other people's energy, which does not have your best interest at heart. So, now we're going to be talking about clothes. Make no special effort to be stylish. That was a pretty strong message for this, but anyway, make no special effort to be stylish. People reveal in modishness their own lack of taste. Now this is where I was picking it up from. One wonders if the styles displayed in the fashion sections of newspapers and magazines aren't actually intended to shock. Their message seems to be only, look at me! Look even in horror and dismay, but look! It is difficult to imagine a stylish person being humble. Good taste seems to go with understatement. Indeed, understatement is the very essence of good taste. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.